fails to wake up is... With the Republican Party right now is not led by conservatives. There's a population out there that has to be told the truth. Um, we have to. Do it live! Now, from the left coast, it's another podcast edition of the Peter B. Collins Show. Peter B. is curious, opinionated, and relentless in pursuit of the truth like a honeybee drawn to pollen. He's an independent progressive, ready to sting Republicans and Democrats alike when they deserve it. Watch out. After years in commercial radio, Peter B. welcomes you to this audio adventure in news and politics with no corporate filter. Listeners support this program, and you can help at PeterBCollins.com. Here's your humble host, Peter B. Welcome to this fresh edition of the Peter B. Collins Show. I've got my stinger out, and I'm going to be pointing it at Democrats and Republicans, just like your pronouncer says. And as he says, this program is supported by great listeners. Let me name Joe Kells of Tiburon, California, Patricia Smith, and John DeVries. They are voluntary subscribers to the Peter B. Collins Show, and I'm grateful. If you'd like to help, go to my website at peterbcollins.com. Click on the tab that says you can help. Our voluntary subscriptions start at $5 a month. And this podcast is especially dedicated to Ethan Knox, who emailed me recently and asked for my opinion about the California elections. He wrote, I've always admired your knowledge of California politics. I'd like to know how you're voting in the upcoming election. Any chance you could post your choices? Our music of the moment from Steve Winwood. It's called Time is Running Out. And I want to take this moment to explain that recently I have been so busy working on political campaigns here in California that I had to reduce my podcast output. And uh, we'll have this and maybe one more podcast, and then I'm going to take a little break for a vacation. We've got a big family reunion planned in Cincinnati where uh, the Klan is gathering in numbers over 1,200. Yes, I come from a very large Irish family. And uh, I promise you, in June, I will get back into the regular swing of things because uh, my schedule will be much clearer and uh, the campaigns I've been working on, I just want to tip you off here in California. Two great candidates. Uh, one is Stefan Pasolacqua. He is the uh, progressive district attorney in Sonoma County, Santa Rosa, and uh, the entire county there. And he's running for re-election, and I've been working as his media consultant. And so we've been um, oh, producing radio and television commercials and putting things on the web. It's a very exciting campaign. And I'm also pleased to be working for the re-election of Susan Adams, who is a supervisor here in Marin County, where I live, just north of San Francisco. She's a real progressive. Uh, she's completed two terms and drew a late challenge from a, a corporate lobbyist who used to serve in the state legislature. So it's, uh, it's a tough campaign. We're working very hard for Susan, but she's doing very well, and uh, I, I think that she is... Uh, going to get reelected after a, a tough campaign. And I, I want to uh, kind of frame the discussion here of the California elections 
around corporate power. And we're going to talk about some of the initiatives and some of the wealthy candidates who are running statewide in just a moment. But even at the county supervisor level, the power of corporate interests is, is very real, and it's what it's, is at stake in this election here in 2010. And I'll use Susan Adams as an example. She has supported the creation of a new public utility called uh, Marin Energy Authority, which is trying to steer our consumer dollars to the purchase of electricity generated from renewable sources. And it competes a little, not head-on, it competes a little with the energy giant, the utility giant, Pacific Gas and Electric. And as I'll mention in a few minutes, they have a ballot measure, Prop 16, uh, that is one of the real stinkers this year. But because Susan Adams supported the creation of this local public utility, which is permitted by law, a law that was not opposed by PG&E when it passed the legislature a few years ago, she has been targeted to be taken out. And PG&E practiced for its statewide campaign here in Marin. I'll detail that for you in a bit. But the battle of the checkbooks is underway. And before I get into that, I want to tell you that because the Democratic primaries for the governor and most of the state constitutional offices are not hotly contested, and because the choices on the Republican side are so ugly, I've decided to use my position as what we call here a decline-to-state voter, an independent, to vote in the Republican primary this year. And in the back of my mind, part of this is a payback to Rush Limbaugh. Do you remember when he told people in 2008 his Republican followers, the ditto heads of America, that where they could, they should register as Democrats and basically interfere with the process of Democrats selecting their nominee. Well, I became an independent about 12 years ago, I think it was, because I didn't want the Democrats to take me for granted. And all too often, progressives are marginalized in the Democratic Party. We saw it on health care reform. We see it on the war issues right now, on our civil liberties matters. Now the Obama administration wants to give away the Miranda warnings, which I don't really think they can do because that's based on a court ruling, not on a statute. So I am going to use my right as a voter to try to block Meg Whitman from buying the governor's office here in California. She has spent $58 million. She's not only a political neophyte, she's only voted occasionally in her adult, her adult life. And she has slick commercials. She refuses to spend any time with the press. She has never held a press conference. She's never really taken hostile questions from members of the, of the media. They're playing her safer than Sarah Palin. She's had one televised debate 
with her opponent, Insurance Commissioner Steve Poisner. She didn't do that badly. But what was apparent is that she spent time as a director at Goldman Sachs. She made a fortune at eBay. And she has no heart. She is a cold and calculating person who has bashed welfare recipients, is running on immigration as a central issue, even though the state has no control over it. And Pete Wilson, the former governor who used the racist uh, Prop 187 back in the early 90s, he is endorsing her and is appearing now in a radio commercial I just heard today where she says uh, that she's totally against amnesty, 100%. Well, the governor of California doesn't have a goddamn thing to do with amnesty for non-citizens, even if you want to call them illegal aliens. The governor has no role. And she says she's going to deny uh, access to higher education for non-citizens. But it's only going to be the brown ones, because if you come here to the University of California from England or Sweden, you betcha that's going to be okay with Meg Whitman, and she might even allow you to have a scholarship. But she is pandering to the Arizona elements. And it's quite ugly to see. So I'm going to hold my nose, grab a Republican ballot, and I'll vote for Steve Poisner. Only once, Steve. <laughs> Only once. Now, I've met Poisner. I've interviewed him many times. He's done a middling job as state insurance commissioner. He hasn't screwed up real badly. But he's had his sights on the governorship. He's extremely ambitious. He made a fortune in the GPS uh, development for cell phones, I believe. And he, too has pandered to the far right in this election. His hands are no cleaner than Meg Whitman's. He just hasn't spent as much of his billion-dollar fortune as she has spent of her multi-billion-dollar fortune. And the recent campaign history of California is littered with rich people who tried to buy the office. Jane Harmon, who's still in Congress. Al Checky, the former Northwest Airlines guy, dropped $34 million. Bill Simon, I think, only spent 20 or $25 million trying to buy the governorship. And conscious of that, Whitman started attacking Poisoner even when she had a 30- or 40-point lead in the polls. And now the polls have tightened to within 10 points. Poisoner is pouring it on. And what is downright amusing is I occasionally check out of the news on television and watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. And that's where these rich Republicans are battling it out. They play commercials there. Whitman has one-minute spots that are extremely expensive. Poisoner uses the standard 30 seconds. And what is amusing is on a recent Wheel of Fortune episode, they both pledged, uh, you know, to the Arizona standard of uh, hateful attitudes and, and methods against immigrants. But they go out of their way to demonize Barbara Boxer. I, I mean, apropos of nothing, in the middle of these commercials, they say, Barbara Boxer sucks. <laughs> She's not running for governor. She's running for re-election as a United States senator. And it just so happens that for Republican primary voters... 
the poster child for liberalism and socialism and, you know, corporate uh, uh, dismantling is Barbara Boxer. So, just like immigration is not germane to the governor's race, Barbara Boxer is not germane to the governor's race, hey, she's unpopular with Republicans, we'll use it. And they're not talking in any sensible or uh, rational ways about the huge budget problems that we have and the way Arnold Schwarzenegger has wrecked the fiscal state of California. And here we have more amateurs lining up for public office after we've seen the abject failure of a non-politician like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it amazes me. It really does. So I'm going to vote for Poisoner, but if you are a Democrat and you take a Democratic ballot or you're an independent, you take a Democratic ballot, you really have a choice between Jerry Brown and some, you know, sideshow candidates. Lowell Darling. He's a guy who thinks it's fun to run for governor, but he's not very serious. And Peter Sherman from uh, MoveOn.org is on the ballot, and he might get 3 to 5% just because he's not Jerry Brown. And uh, I'm not thrilled with Jerry Brown as our Democratic standard bearer this year and as the next governor of California, but he is the least objectionable choice. And he certainly has the experience. He's a brilliant guy. I mean, I've spent hours with Jerry Brown on radio and in person, private conversations, And there's no doubt about his intellect. He understands how government works. But he's a very cagey politician. And one of the first things he did when he announced his, formally announced for the race this year, very late in the cycle, he uh, took a pledge not to raise taxes without a vote of the people. And for a state that's broke because we cut taxes on cars and refuse to raise taxes on the rich, even though, you know, the, the new budget proposal is to eliminate welfare at the state level and dump that load on the counties, who've already been raided for funds by the state in every way, shape, or form. So we have an impending fiscal calamity, and the campaign issues are immigration, Barbara Boxer, and Jerry Brown saying he won't raise taxes without a vote of the people. So it's, it's a bleak set of choices, frankly. But as I said, uh, Jerry Brown certainly has the experience and certainly uh, is, is the best of the available choices. But do they have a plan to keep our libraries open, to keep our schools and higher education institutions going? Nah, they just want to get elected. They're closing all the libraries. They're closing all the libraries. They're closing all the libraries. A lock and hallowed doors. They're closing all the libraries. Doubling my parking fees. They're building prisons in old schoolyards. And one of the shameful situations here in California is that prisons cost us $10 billion a year out of an $84 billion budget. And very few cuts will be made. The population will not be reduced, even though they're under a federal court order 
to reduce the population by at least 40,000. And so, again, the candidates for high office in this state continue to skirt the issues, and it's really shameful. And we also have a looming pension crisis where uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of pensions that are guaranteed to state employees cannot be funded. They're a huge drag on the state budget. And there's a little talk about that, but nobody really has a plan. Now, let me run down the constitutional statewide offices here, and uh, then we will get to the senator's race, and then we'll talk a little bit about the ballot measures. So in the lieutenant governor contest, Abel Maldonado is a Republican state senator who cut a deal in, in exchange for his vote to raise taxes last year, 2009. He cut a deal with Schwarzenegger to, uh, number one, appoint him lieutenant governor because he's termed out and he wants to run for that office anyway, and to sponsor Proposition 14, which we'll get to in a few minutes. That's the open primary law. And Abel Maldonado, who considers himself a moderate Republican uh, with a Hispanic surname, he's the son of an immigrant, he doesn't believe that uh, he can get elected in partisan primaries. That's what he's trying to do, a little uh, push from Arnold with this uh, short-term appointment to the office that was open when John Garamendi resigned last year after he won a seat in Congress. So uh, for me as a uh, uh, temporary Republican voter, I have some sucky choices. Sam Onestad, arch-conservative state senator, termed out. Abel Maldonado, not quite arch, but uh, an unreliable figure and a a self-promoter and opportunist. Scott Levitt, a Republican I've never heard of. Uh, Burt Davis and uh, Yvonne Girard, Republicans I've never heard of. So, uh, oh, and then there's a guy named Dave Harris, a Republican I've never heard of. There are five Republicans running for lieutenant governor. So that makes it easier for Abel Maldonado to uh, score, say, 20 or 22 percent to win the nomination. Um, I will vote for somebody other than Maldonado, but uh, I haven't figured out whom. On the Democratic side, you have two choices. Gavin Newsom, the mayor of San Francisco, a very interesting guy with a bright future, but he has a real conservative streak, and he has run against homeless people. When he first was elected mayor, he uh, ran a campaign based on a ballot measure called uh, Care Not Cash, and now he is uh, promoting legislation to ban uh, homeless people from sitting or lying on the sidewalk. And uh, while we do have a serious homeless problem in San Francisco, uh, I don't believe that either of these measures is a, a good idea. And Newsom had an aborted run for governor. He was in the race against Jerry Brown. He couldn't raise enough money. He wasn't getting enough traction in the uh, polls, and so he pulled out, having derided the office of lieutenant governor, and now he's decided to run for it. It leaves San Francisco, if he wins, uh, with a leadership vacuum that will create quite a, uh, a political storm. His major opponent is uh, Democrat Janice Hahn from Los Angeles, and uh, frankly, I know a little bit about her. I'm not terribly impressed. And I think people will make a decision uh, probably to go with Gavin Newsom in this race uh, with some Southern Californians uh, uh, Californians voting for a, a favorite daughter. The Han family been in politics in L.A. for decades. And uh, uh, to me, she's just an opportunist and another ambitious politician. Uh, she does have a bigger base uh, geographically than Newsom. So it actually could turn out to be fairly close. Secretary of State, there's really no competition. Deborah Bowen, the Democrat, a former state senator, 
Uh, she's from uh, the Malibu or Marina del Rey area originally. She's done a great job as Secretary of State. She's helped clean up the voting problems here, and uh, she is a, a real visionary. Uh, so I, I think that uh, that that score is, is very clear to me. On the Republican ballot, where <clears throat> I'm temporarily parking myself, I will be voting against Orly Tates. She, of course, the leader of the birther movement, who has promoted a series of scurrilous legal actions challenging President Obama's uh, birth. And uh, uh, she is just basically full of shit. And so uh, I have no idea who Damon Dunn is, but Damon is the other Republican on the ballot, and that's who I'll be voting for, I guess. In the controller's race, no contest. John Chung is in his uh, completing his first term. He's done a very good job under very difficult circumstances, been honest with the people of California about how bad our fiscal situation is. On the Republican side, uh, I will vote against Tony Strickland, who is a termed-out legislator who I once tangled with in a committee hearing and uh, don't care for him in the least. Uh, He's anti-labor and uh, just uh, really another Republican who... Held, upheld the Grover Norquist uh, No New Taxes Pledge here in California while risking uh, our future. His wife uh, took over his seat in the state assembly, uh, and so the Strickland virus is something we need to work to wipe out. State Treasurer Bill Lockyer up for his second term. My only disappointment is that he's not running for governor because uh, I would prefer him to Jerry Brown. He's got over $10 million in his campaign account, but he decided, uh, after sitting out the Arnold uh, phase, to sit out the Jerry Brown phase. Uh, everyone speculates that Brown will only serve one term, and then Lockyer will be termed out as treasurer. So that's a, uh, an obvious transition opportunity for him four years from now. And uh, I guess I'll have to look up uh, the Republican candidate, Mimi Walters. She's running unopposed for state treasurer um, and would just be... Uh, chewed up by Bill Lockyer in the fall. On the attorney general side, we have a number of turned out, uh, termed out uh, legislators from Sacramento, plus a Facebook guy and the district attorney from San Francisco. So I believe it's a total of five Democrats running. Alberto Torico is a Democratic uh, Assembly member from the East Bay here near San Francisco. I have interviewed him and uh, met him on a couple of other occasions. He's a very bright man, uh, fairly progressive. I certainly don't oppose him. Pedro Nava is a member of the Assembly from the Santa Barbara area, and he rose to prominence in the last few years opposing offshore drilling that Schwarzenegger proposed and has now withdrawn after the uh, uh, debacle the debacle in the Gulf. <clears throat> and Navo, Nava was uh, leading the opposition to what was called the Tranquilon Ridge effort that uh, Schwarzenegger was seeing as a modest source of revenue for the state. Kamala Harris is a very interesting uh, candidate who I think uh, is not going to do very well. She's been the district attorney in San Francisco for one term. She's bright, she's articulate, she's attractive, African-American, obviously female. And uh, her big problems are that the San Francisco Uh, DA and police departments are embroiled in a huge scandal where the evidence lab uh, was losing all kinds of evidence, uh, namely cocaine and other drugs, were being uh, used by the lab uh, technicians. 
and this has uh, turned uh, many cases into uh, uh, how they're subject to being overturned. A number of charges have been dismissed uh, dismissed against a large number of uh, of uh, defendants in court, and so I don't see that she has much traction. Plus, um, while I support her opposition to the death penalty, I also recognize that that's a liability for candidates running statewide. So we have Chris Kelly, whom I've met, and there's an interview uh, on our, our website for the local TV show Marin Views and... Wait a minute, i got to get that right. MarinVoicesAndViews.com. Uh, if you go there, uh, you can look up the most recent show, Chris Kelly... Is a very tall guy. He served uh, in the Clinton White House. He is currently the, or I guess he's on leave now, or maybe resigned as the uh, legal counsel at Facebook. And he's a very bright guy. Uh, he's putting about $5 million of his own money, not quite the Meg Whitman level, into a lot of television commercials that have been running lately. And uh, I consider him a, a, a real good uh, possibility for the Attorney General's uh, nomination from the Democrats this year. Uh, It remains to be seen how well he runs statewide and uh, how much he stands out as the only white male running on the Democratic side for the Attorney General post this year. By the way, it's being vacated by Jerry Brown, uh, in case uh, that wasn't clear to you or isn't known to some of our non-California listeners. On the Republican side... I'm not sure I can vote for either of these clowns, uh, Steve Cooley or um, who, who's the other one here, uh, uh, Tom Harmon. They're both trying to out-tough uh, on crime each other. Cooley is uh, the uh, district attorney or city attorney, I think city attorney from Los Angeles. Uh, I, I failed to mention one other Democrat running who's a former uh, DA from Los Angeles, Rocky Delgadillo. I don't know too much about him. Uh, and Cooley is getting some play because uh, he's seen as a little bit less of a monster than his opponent, Tom Harmon, but uh, I'll probably pass on voting for either one of those. Then Insurance Commissioner Hector De La Torre is a Democrat who is uh, running for that post because he's termed out of the legislature. He also appeared on our Marin Voices and Views show and impressed me as a very bright guy, He's running a television commercial recounting out his daughter uh, was taken to the emergency room and the insurance company decided whether or not she could have uh, an operation. And so he's using that as his uh, personal cause, why he's running for insurance commissioner. Dave Jones is a termed out state senator from the Sacramento area, and uh, he is capable. He served on that committee, the insurance committee in the Senate, and he knows the issues pretty well. Uh, for me, it's a toss-up between Jones and De La Torre. And will I vote for the only Republican running for insurance commissioner? Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, there are two. Mike Valines, uh, he did not distinguish himself as one of the Grover Norquist 13 in the state assembly. So I'll probably vote for his opponent, who I've never heard of, Brian Fitzgerald. So that, oh, there's one more statewide race, and that is superintendent of public instruction, And uh, since it's nonpartisan, I will be able to vote for one of the Democrats. Tom Torlakson is a very bright guy, former legislator from the East Bay, served in both houses and got termed out. And Gloria Romero, currently termed out from the state Senate from the Los Angeles area. They're both qualified, both good people, 
and it's a job that uh, is mostly a figurehead position. So then we come to the United States Senate campaign here in California, and for that, we turn to the Chili Peppers. Peter B. Collins Show is sponsored by the Organic Wine Company, and you have an opportunity to join our Organic Wine Club. It's exciting, and uh, three bottles of wine delivered to your address every month for just about 50 bucks plus shipping. Get the details at theorganicwinecompany.com or follow the link from peterbcollins.com. So this is my idea of the theme music for Carly Fiorina, and I would change it to Carly Fornication, because uh, she is a person of no qualification to start her political career in a race for the United States Senate. She was the corporate executive, first female to run Hewlett-Packard. She ran it onto the rocks. I know, because I had... I think 15 or 25 shares in HP before she was named CEO. Then she merged it with Compaq, and it took three years for my stock to get back just even with where I'd purchased it. She offshored a lot of jobs, and she really has, like Meg Whitman, no business running for a major office like this. She has a spotty voting record. I think she's voted a little more often than Meg, but not a regular voter. And neither one of these women had any track record of service behind specific issues, causes. They are mere wealthy opportunists. Now, Fiorina has not put a lot of her own money in. I, I believe it's somewhere in the range of $5 million. After all, she's a pauper compared to Meg. When she left HP, I think they gave her $40 million to stuff in her parachute. Somewhere in that zone. And she hasn't distinguished herself. Now, unlike Meg Whitman, she's willing to meet with the press. She's been in debates with her Republican opponents. But she's running against immigration, and at least in this case, it's a federal issue. <laughs> but she has no known foreign policy experience except... At the corporate level, and as I said, transferring American jobs to other parts of the world. So in the race against her is a termed out uh, state senator named Chuck DeVore. And DeVore is, you know, very conservative. He's a pro-George W. Bush guy on foreign policy. He served in the Poppy Bush Dick Cheney Pentagon before he ran for office here in California. And he doesn't come across as a knuckle-dragging fire breather, but his policies 
are not progressive in any way, shape, or form. And he doesn't offer me much. Now, before I mention who I'll vote for in the U.S. Senate Republican primary here in California as an independent declined to state voter, I should disclose that eight years ago, I worked for the candidate who I'll be voting for. His name is Tom Campbell. He's the only major Republican that I've worked for. Well, actually, there, there were two. I worked for Pete McCloskey in 2006 when he came out of retirement to challenge and help unseat Richard Pombo in a district just outside of the San Francisco East Bay area. But before that, the major Republican I had worked for was Tom Campbell. I've known Tom since he went to Congress in 1989. And he's much smarter than me. He's got degrees up and down his arm, a law degree, a doctorate in economics that he got from the University of Chicago, Milton Friedman Wing. And he has served, uh, and as I've said, I, I don't agree with him on many policies, but he distinguished himself as a congressman. When he ran against Dianne Feinstein in 2000, I supported him because he was more liberal than Feinstein. On many important issues, he ran against the drug war. He articulated his opposition to the George W. Bush tax cuts during the campaign. And he has shown a kind of unlikely courage in the past. I can't say I'm pleased with the campaign that Tom Campbell has run this year. Because he was bruised badly by his previous attempts. He's run twice before for the Senate and come up short. One time he was denied the nomination by Sonny Bono and a bonehead named Bruce Hershenson. That was in 92. Then he got the nomination in 2000, but Republicans wouldn't give him the funds to run a viable campaign. And so they basically starved him because while he's a fiscal conservative, he's pro-choice, and uh, I, I believe he's even pro-gay marriage. But Campbell's been running hard to the right. And he has supported the Arizona legislation, which um, I find reprehensible, both the legislation and Tom's support for it. But overall, he uh, is the best choice to, number one, tamp out the Tea Party movement. DeVore is tied with the Tea Parties. Tea Partiers, Tea Baggers, they don't like to be called. And Campbell has refused to sign the Grover Norquist Pledge to never raise taxes. So he is mostly intellectually honest. He's been doing a little pandering in this campaign. But I have a lot of respect for Tom, and if any Republican were to win Barbara Boxer's Senate seat, I would prefer him over anybody else in California. That said, I'm a strong supporter of Senator Boxer, and uh, I certainly will be voting for her in November. But uh, in the primary here, because of the threat posed by these rich Republicans, I will be uh, voting in the Republican primary and doing what I can as one person with one vote to stop the madness. Now I'd like to move on briefly to the ballot measures here in California, and I hope uh, all of this is helpful to California voters. Um, Prop 13 is a, an amendment to Proposition 13. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, the one back in 1977 that put a limit on property taxes and imposed a two-thirds requirement to raise taxes here in California, an undemocratic effort that you may know only required a majority vote to pass but imposed a supermajority to amend it. So this is a no-brainer. It's to try to uh, uh, take care of a loophole that excluded the seismic retrofitting of uh, brick buildings, masonry buildings. So it's going to pass. No big deal. Proposition 14 is a tough one for me. This is the Abel Maldonado open primary. And in general, I support the idea that the two parties should not have a lock on our political process and that we should see much more competition, both in primaries and general elections. This is an odd approach because uh, there used to be a Prop 98 on the, that, that became law in California, was in effect for the 2000 cycle. That's how Tom Campbell got on the ballot, because in that open primary, uh, the far right of the Republican Party's uh, power was diluted. That was then overturned, and this is a new effort that is a little complicated. But basically, no matter how many people are on the ballot in a primary... The top two, regardless of their party, they could be Republicans, both, Democrats, both, a Democrat and a Green, a Democrat and a Libertarian, a Republican and a Green. So it it is volatile and unpredictable. And one of the problems of uh, considering this ballot measure at the moment is that we're about to embark on a new redistricting uh, uh, system that was spawned by a ballot measure last year. And it's a citizen's commission. We have no idea how fair the boundaries will be drawn and how much districts for the state legislature uh, will be competitive. We just don't know. And so to have that unknown put together with the unknown outcome of a Prop 14 open primary is a roll of the dice. That said... I am not loyal to either political party. They have abused the power that they've built up and the strength that they have and the way they're able to lock out third parties. And so I'm leaning toward voting for Proposition 14 with the hope that a few Green Party candidates will get elected in this state. And we'll actually get through a primary as one of the top two and be on the general election ballot. So I'm acknowledging that I'm not completely sold on the process in Prop 14. But there's a kind of desperation to shake things up and to change things in some way anyway to try to break the deadlock of corporate interests on both parties in Sacramento. Proposition 15, the California Fair Elections Act. This is an easy one. This is the only decent kind of legislation that has come out of Arizona in the last 10 or 15 years. They have been experimenting with fair elections where a candidate raises small amounts of money from a relatively large number of people. Like if you're running statewide, I think you have to have uh, a few hundred donors. Here it is. To 
To receive public funds for a primary election campaign, a candidate for Secretary of State has to collect a certain number of $5 contributions, only $5, from registered voters in the state. Candidates seeking a nomination from major party must collect 7,500 qualifying contributions of $5 minimum for a total of a minimum of 37,500. Candidates in smaller parties only need to collect half that amount. This is a trial effort that applies only to the Secretary of State campaigns for the next two election cycles here in California. I wish it were permanent. But this allows people who are running for office to collect small amounts of money from a broad cross-section of the public to demonstrate their support and viability, and then they qualify for matching funds up to uh, $5 million. And I won't go on into all the details here. You should read about it uh, online or in your voter pamphlet. But this is excellent legislation. This is another way to reduce the power of corporate interests on government here in California. And so I strongly support it. Proposition 16 and Proposition 17 are the work of evil corporate interests. That's the best way to put it. And they must be soundly defeated. Prop 16 is bought and paid for by Pacific Gas and Electric Company, and they couldn't even con their utility uh, brothers and sisters, Southern California Edison, and uh, San Diego Light and Power, I think they're called. They couldn't con them into participating. And even though PG&E only supplies power to about 55% of the state, They want to impose this undemocratic ballot measure that would require any community that wants to have a public utility like the one that I described here in Marin County would have to get a two-thirds vote in that local jurisdiction before they could go forward. Keep in mind, it only takes 50% plus one to pass this stinker, and then it would take a two-thirds vote in any community to overcome it. It's insidious, it is cynical, and they've put $35 million of shareholder money that came from ratepayers into passing this monster. Now, the polling I've heard about indicates that it's not likely to pass at this point, but we can't take any chances, and this is one that must be defeated. And go back to my archives. We've done several programs on Prop 16, The history of PG&E is just downright sordid. It goes back a hundred years, but I'll start in the 80s when they effed up Diablo Canyon. Yes, they built the cooling system backwards and had to rip it out and reinstall it, and then they discovered the earthquake fault, the Hosgri Fault, just off the coast of San Luis Obispo. It's a phenomenal series of blunders that led to these huge cost overruns, And that propelled PG&E into a series of efforts to stick us, the ratepayers, with the overruns that were based on their blunders. They tried through the Public Utilities Commission. That didn't work. They tried through the courts in the 80s and early 90s. Rejected. 
So then they framed this deregulation plan that sailed through the legislature, greased by corporate contributions, in 1998. It was so badly written and structured that it allowed Enron and El Paso Natural Gas and others to game the system in California and rob the people here of almost $10 billion. That's the amount that Gray Davis, our failed governor, took from taxpayers and injected into the utilities to keep them afloat as the cost of energy to uh, generate power skyrocketed. It was totally out of control. And it was caused by the deregulation that PG&E wrote. And then, after they, you know, fleeced us of $10 billion, they took the PG&E operating company into bankruptcy after squirreling away their assets in a holding company. And in bankruptcy, the federal judge allowed PG&E finally to recover the cost overruns from Diablo Canyon. They were called stranded costs. And that's why we currently pay the highest, some of the highest, utility rates in the country. I, I think it's close to the top. And PG&E, as a public regulated utility with a monopoly territory and a regulated uh, return rate, profit rate, they have no business injecting themselves into this hardball political process using the initiative that was designed to offset the special interests. Hiram Johnson passed it in the robber baron era. And oh, the robber barons are extracting their revenge right now. So that's Prop 16. And then Prop 17 is a similar corporate-based effort to bamboozle the public. It doesn't have a two-thirds uh, voter approval. But it does benefit the Mercury Insurance Company. They put it on the ballot. They've donated to many Democratic politicians, including Jerry Brown, who doesn't appear to have been as aggressive in regulating the excesses of Mercury Insurance as our Attorney General. And... Uh, it's, it's a kind of complex insurance law change that says that when you change insurance companies, you can keep your good driver discount. That's what it says on the face of it. But underlying it is a way for them to raise rates on many drivers. So they sell it to you as a way to protect consumers when, in fact, it is a device to screw consumers. That's Prop 17. So let's recap. 13, it's okay. 14, you choose. 15, I think everybody should vote yes. 16 and 17, I think everybody should vote hell no. And if we can reject Carly Fiorina, Meg Whitman, and Props 16 and 17, we will send a powerful message from the left coast that people have some power too. That corporations cannot be allowed to control everything and extract our profits, send our jobs overseas, and wreck the economy 
in pursuit of their greed. There you go. And uh, thanks to our email listener, Ethan Knox, for suggesting this. I hope you got some good information, Ethan. Happy trails to you until we meet again. Happy trails to you. Keep smiling under.